This is the sidebar by NYABJ. Picture the scene. You're in a busy convention hall filled with representatives from every media outlet of note in the country. AP, Reuters, CBS, ABC, NBC, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, Bloomberg, Hearst, Sinclair, NPR. Feeling anxious? Feeling in over your head? This episode has you covered as we talk to two representatives from Spectrum Media who will give you the ins and outs to make the most of your NABJ 2023 experience. NYABJ's Road to the Convention Series. Uh, today, we are thrilled to have Alexander Quince. Did I get that right? Quince. Uh, all right. Senior Director of... Thank you. All right. Alexander <laughs> Quince, Senior Director of News for Upstate New York Spectrum News. And Mike Bothwell, Senior Manager, Senior Manager Talent Acquisitions of Spectrum News. And today, we will be discussing how to ace an interview. Um, but first, I'm going to let our two guests uh, introduce themselves. So Alexander, since I screwed up your name, please go first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. No, no. I appreciate the time and the opportunity uh, to be here with you. My name is Alexander Quint, Senior Director of News for uh, Upstate New York. Uh, I'm responsible for our markets and stations in Buffalo, Syracuse, Rochester, Albany, and Hudson Valley, which is just outside of uh, New York City. So really, I have a Looking forward to the conversation tonight. Uh, and just so you know, I do have some ties with uh, NYNABJ. I was a member uh, when I lived and worked in uh, New York City. So uh, this is something near and dear to me, and I look forward uh, to the conversation. So again, uh, pleasure to be here uh, and just kind of give you some background. I've worked in markets from Tampa to Atlanta, uh, Birmingham, Tulsa, New York City, and now uh, I'm based in Albany. So uh, look forward to sharing. Uh, uh, tidbits with you and uh, look forward to uh, some good questions and conversation today. So thank you. Thank you, Alex. Yeah, my name is Mike Bothwell. I'm the Senior Manager of Talent for Spectrum News. Um, across the group, we have about 33 stations, really from Maine to Hawaii <laughs> and lots of places in between. My primary responsibility is to work with our talent acquisition team to make sure that when we have open positions, which by the way is always um, we're looking and, and filling those positions with the best and brightest we absolutely can. We're, um, as you'll hear us talk about tonight, we are a big group um, that focuses on storytelling. We are much less about um, car crashes, abandoned house fires, and we're much more about really telling some stories that mean something to the communities that we serve. Um, myself, I've been in uh, journalism my entire adult life. Got my first job at a TV station when I was uh, in high school, uh, and I've never looked back. I've spent 22 years in local, including about 11 as news director at a couple of different places. Uh, and then I've been with Spectrum for about three years. But prior to joining this company, I was a, a news talent agent in Los Angeles for about five years. So news is in my blood. It's why I don't have any hair left in my head, but I love it. And I really appreciate you guys having us here. We're so happy that you're here. And I, you know, it seems like the hair thing is is is, is that a thing at, at Spectrum? Is that what you, I don't know what, what are you saying, Alex. You hear this? I, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so let's kick things off for people who are attending the convention. As we all know, it's in August. It's in Birmingham. Um, how do you recommend that people approach the table? Because as we all know, or for those who are new who are going, it's a huge 
job fair and there are all these tables and it can feel a little overwhelming. So what's the best way to approach it when like the two people behind the table are talking, you don't want to interrupt their conversation. Like how do you do it? Yeah, I would say the, the best thing to, to keep in mind is, is know uh, what you're looking for. Uh, have a, have a strong interest in terms of what do you want to get out of the conversation? Uh, what are you looking to learn from the company and really go in as informed as possible in terms of your interests about uh, the company that you want to speak with and making sure that you have uh, some background on them. Even if it's a, a new company when you're at the convention that you don't know much about, uh, take a moment to to learn some information about what it is they do. Try to find out what their a brand of news or brand of journalism is like for us, as Mike described, uh, we are interested in issue-driven content, telling stories about people. Uh, it's not about crime. It's not about um, uh, chasing uh, stories that that will lead a crime report, but it's about meaningful stories that impact people and sharing uh, stories from their point of view with with those who are impacted by it. Uh, really, at the heart of the story. Uh, it's about connecting with people and telling stories that connect with people and connect people to stories. So that is what we are. And it will be important to make sure that uh, what you're looking for aligns with the company that you are uh, speaking with and really go in with, a, with an opportunity that you can ask uh, questions as it relates to what they do and to see uh, if it will be a good pairing with what your interests are and what you're looking to do in your next uh, career opportunity. That's how I would uh, approach it uh, from uh, from an initial point of view. Uh, uh, Mike, I would love for you to uh, share your insight on that as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's really important as Alexander talked about is just kind of knowing who you're talking to. We know, and we, you know, we, we both be, we will both be in Birmingham, by the way. Um, mm -hmm. It can be overwhelming. You know, we, I don't think any company expects you to walk up to them and know where all of their locations are and know, you know, what, but at the end of the day, you want to have at least a little bit of a working knowledge of the companies that you're interested in talking to. Um, just what, just what they're all about or what they're hiring for. And I mean, for us, you know, we have been, you know, we're not new to the game. Those of you that are close to New York city, obviously New York one has been in the game for a very long time. Now we just celebrated our 30th anniversary there. Um, you just want to have that, knowledge, basic knowledge about the company. But I would say that, in, and I would hope this would hold true for most companies that are at the conventions, we're there to meet you as much as you are there to meet us. So I think you're going to, you're going to find a lot of very welcoming people and people that just, you know, it's the, you know, I know our team that's going to be there. We're, I think we're going to have over 40 people there this year representing Spectrum News. I think anybody that you see that has a little Spectrum pin on that we'll all have, is going to really be happy to chat with you and talk to you about what what makes us different and why Alexander is working here, why I'm working here, um, and why we think you should you know work here. I would also say too, it's probably a good idea to have a, just a general idea of the jobs that the company may have open um, before you talk to them. Just to say, hey, I heard you have a you know for us, it's like I heard you have a, a meteorologist opening right now in Albany. Tell me about it. I'm so interested. I've been, you know, I've been studying weather for the last whatever many years. Those things can always help um, kind of move you to the top of the list because, you know, especially like in Vegas, I don't know if anyone was in Las Vegas last year. It was a lot of people 
all week long. I'm not sure how Birmingham will be, but we're hoping that it's going to be just like that because for us, it was really great to meet so many people um, and really kind of talk about our brand and how we do things because we do believe that we stand out from the other companies that are out there, uh, not only in the way that our newsrooms function, the way we tell stories, but the company itself. We're a really big organization and we have the ability to not act like a traditional broadcast affiliate when it comes to the way we tell stories and frankly, the way we hire people. So, you know, knock on wood, we've been very consistent with our hiring the whole way through the year. Um, we have, um, we don't see that stopping anytime soon. And we really would like, we're there because we want to meet you as well. So I think that's the one thing is you're, it's, it's a little bit of a different story than you're like cold calling someone versus walking up to the, the booth where you're going to find a very captive audience. Those are all great points. Thank you so much. Um, so when you're walking up to the booth and you know, you've know you done your research, you know what jobs are open, do you need to bring a physical resume? Do you need the old school piece of paper or can you show it on your phone, show it on your tablet? Like, what do you recommend? So this one, Alexander and I talked about this one. This is an interesting one uh, to answer because, you know, as a bit of an old school journalist myself, um, and as someone who talks to a lot of people on a regular basis, I tend to like to leave there with a paper copy of a resume because what I usually do is after I'm done talking to you, we have to put notes in our, in our system, like immediately after we talk to someone. But I also like to have handwritten notes and say, you know what, Benita was great. She really wants to go to Cleveland. She's, you know, she's, she's interested in this and this and this. That helps me kind of absorb all the people that I talk to. But I will say that I also personally have a QR code that I walk around with. Um, that's you know, I put it on the back of my name tag every place I go. And if you scan that at any point in time, it takes you to my LinkedIn. So if you maybe have something like that, it's super easy to print that out. Um, you don't have to laminate it. You don't have to do anything. Print that out. And then what I often do, you know, you walk up and say, here, you know, here's my resume, but also here's my QR code because then I would immediately add you to LinkedIn. And for me, 90% of the people that I talk with outside of the conventions, the first interactions I have with them are through LinkedIn. That's just kind of how I recruit and how people kind of come, come my way. So that's just a little trick I picked up the last couple of years because it costs literally zero money to do that. And it's super easy. And then you can kind of have the best of both worlds where you have that paper copy for those that want it. But at the same time, you look like you're maybe not quite as old school uh, and you have that QR code with you as well. Just a thought. That's good. Good advice. Um, and then one last main convention one, then we'll go into some general interview uh, questions. But what about the swag? So the tables have pins and cups and and how do you not look greedy? Like, can you just walk up and be like, hey, can I take a pen? Or after the conversation, do you grab the swag? Like, how does it work? Right. Well, really here's here. This is... Um, <laughs> I got right. this. I've got all this stuff. Like, yes, I think that. I'm sorry, Alexander. I don't mean to over you, but the point of having us there, you know, it's branding for us. We want you to like these are ring lights. We have notebooks. We have a hand sanitizer. We want you to take that, and every time you pull that out of your bag or your pocket, and you think of Spectrum, you're like, oh yeah, this was. I really like those recruiters. I think maybe I'll take a look. So for us, I don't. You know, I'm not suggesting you walk up and, you know, scoop everything up. But I think that the companies put those out for a reason. Um, and we spent a lot of money on those because it's all about branding for us and brand recognition. So I don't think you should feel, you know, I don't think you should feel odd. I think those are out there for a reason. And I think every company would probably feel the same way. I hope you feel the same way too, Alex. Absolutely. And that's less that the recruiters have to go back. To take home. Yes. So they, they have to load up all that stuff to bring it there. So they bring it to give it away. 
So I would say uh, take as many of those uh, that you can for yourself and, and others if you want to pass along, uh, if you find something interest, interesting to, to have or, or practical or useful. I, By all means, no, it's it's not frowned upon. Like, can you believe that person walked away with? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, it's not um, that way at all. So. By the way, when you, if you do see us any at any of the conventions, I highly recommend these books. They are the best notebooks, and we gave away just at NABJ last year. We gave away over a thousand of these. So for us, it's it's just branding because people walk around with them, people write with them. Um, so if you get a chance, um, take what take what you can. So I'm heading over to your booth, Ben. Let's and go, I, yeah. I, I would like a notebook, a ring light. That all sounds wonderful. I gotta, so, I, clearly, um, I've got a drawer full. I'm ready to go. <laughs> amazing. Love it. Um, so, Alexander, what about a Zoom or a phone interview for those of us who may not be going to the convention, but are ahead of the convention or any time in between? You know, we get a call and we're excited and we set up an interview and it's either over the phone or it's over Zoom what is the best way to dress for that if it's something that someone will be seeing you? Yeah, that's a that's a very good question. And I would say it's always best to be overprepared than underprepared. It's always better to be overdressed than underdressed, right? Because um, it, it's always, it, it's a, you, you can't take back if you are not dressed or prepared appropriately uh, for a meeting or a conversation. So I would always say err on the side of, of, of caution and, and really go in uh, to impress, not only from your uh, personal presentation uh, to the information uh, that you're armed with. And, and a few things that are, that are very important as it, as it comes to, to Zoom in, in these types of interviews, be early because you always have a Zoom account like I did this 15 minutes beforehand and sure enough, I had issues signing on, right? But because I had 15 minutes, I was able to troubleshoot, get it knocked out, I'm on time. So make sure that, oh, I got this, it's just, um, it's just Zoom or it's WebEx and I, I always get into those easily. Make sure that you give yourself enough time uh, to make sure that you are there prepared you're not flustered because it's nothing like working and trying to figure out and getting on two minutes before it. And now you're trying to, why did it, you're out of sorts. So make sure you give yourself plenty of time, uh, be informed uh, as much as you can about the person that you're speaking with. I can't tell you how many interviews that I've had. And I look, go back to my LinkedIn account and I see the person looked up my profile. That's smart, right? So that way it gives them. Uh, an opportunity it gives you an opportunity to see if there's any connection. Hey, you worked in Tampa. I worked in Tampa. What you you can use that to help build uh, your rapport and, and get a better understanding of the background of the person. So uh, really make sure you give yourself an opportunity to to succeed uh, in terms of preparation and in terms of going in uh, as informed as possible about uh, the interview. That's good stuff. Um, Mike, do you have anything to add about that? Just best ways to be prepared for like that first initial Zoom or phone interview? Yeah, you know, you would be surprised. I think that to Alexander's point, sometimes people can come in and, you know, some, some people are very uncomfortable, even after all these years of COVID on, on camera. And we, we totally understand that. But I think what 
anything that you can show us that says that you're really genuinely interested in our specific job that we're talking about, I think will go a long way. Um, again, it goes back to, I don't expect you to know everything about me or the company or anything like that, but at least you want to have a kind of a working knowledge of what you're talking to that person about and anything that you can do to show that you've done your prep work is going to be helpful because at the end of the day, we're journalists, we're all journalists in this company. And so we, we we tend to be drawn towards folks that can show us, show us that they have that storytelling, kind of that storytelling vibe, but also that the fact that they've done their journalistic homework before um, before they spend time with us. I think, it's, I think that's important. And on the opposite side of that, Alexander, what are some absolute don'ts when it comes to an in-person or a Zoom or phone interview? Put your phone down. <laughs> Do not have a conversation with someone and you're scrolling and every two minutes you're looking at uh, to see if an email has come in or a text put it on silence, put it away, and make sure you give the person your undivided attention, right? Uh, make sure that you are uh, prepared with the company that you're speaking with, having some basic information as to what they stand for, and, and really understand what it is that you want uh, out of the company. So, you know, with NABJ, there, there are a lot of people that you have that you see that you haven't seen in years and you may want to hey can you hold on one moment and, and get up and and go hug and catch up with the person up make sure that you treat it as as an interview and make sure you treat it as the same respect that you would want the interviewer to extend to you that you extend to them as well so just remember those basic rules of, rules of etiquette in terms of the conversation and, and, and you'll be fine and it, it'll be a good experience uh, for both you and the person that you're speaking with. That's a good one, those are good. Um, Mike, what are some questions? At the end of any interview, I feel like the interviewer always says, do you have any questions for me? It's like, I have no idea. You've told me all this information. <laughs> what am I supposed to ask? Um, but what are some good answers for that question? Well, I think it's it's important that you ask that question at the end because I think it really can remember what I oftentimes what you're doing in an interview process is you really want to make sure, especially in a setting like NABJ, you kind of want to make sure that when you leave there, you leave an impression on that particular interviewer, whoever that may be. Um, so I think it's I think it's absolutely fair to ask that question, Dina, and I think it's okay to kind of be a little bit inquisitive. So what what kind of timing you know how often when do you think you're going to hire for this job like how how are you you know anything that you left with that you don't know about the company at that point in time you'd probably spend 10 or 15 minutes with the interviewer you have a little bit of a rapport built up so i think at that point that's your time if you have any kind of questions that are that you feel like and you walk away you're not going to know the answer to or you're going to go ah oh, i wish i should have asked that I think that's fair game at that point in time to just ask those questions. I think it's reasonable to ask, how long do you think until you fill this position? Um, I know we'll probably talk about a little bit later about money. You know what I mean? I think there's that, that question that can come up as well. So at the end of that time, I think you have to be, as a journalist, you're going to be inquisitive, you know, but at the same time, you want to, I think you want to get up from that table and feel like, you know, as much as you possibly can about that company and about the positions or positions that you're talking about with them, because you want that interviewer 
to feel the same way about you. You know, they, you both want to part ways knowing as much as you possibly can about each other, I think. Um, to a follow-up to that, um, how many questions should you ask at the end of an interview? I think it all depends on the interview itself. If it's in a setting where there's 25 million people in line behind you and you get a certain amount of time, then, you know, you could keep it a little bit shorter. If it's a one, I mean, I know we're specifically talking about the conventions, but in general, when you, when you go and you go in person and interview with someone or on Zoom interview, I think if you have a finite amount of time, you don't necessarily want to go over that. But at the same time, I think a, a couple of questions is absolutely appropriate. Um, I honestly get a little bit inquisitive about that person if they just say, okay, thank you. And then they get up and leave that to me, that may signal that either they weren't interested in our company, they weren't interested in our job, they weren't interested in me. So again, I don't think you have to ask a question just for the sake of asking a question. But again, we're looking for inquisitive journalists. So I don't think you're going to get any pushback if you ask some very common questions like the timing on the hiring or how many opportunities, how many opportunities that we have right now that could be a good fit for you. Things like that, I think, are very practical questions. That's helpful. And Alexander, how about the, is it the money question? Is it taboo to ask, you know, what the salary range is? In New York, obviously we have the new law, so we kind of know what the range is, but what about for jobs that are outside of New York where that law isn't for everybody? Yeah, in terms of the question about money and, and asking about uh, what is the range of it, that, that's something that that is fair, but what's also uh, important uh, as it relates to that is to make sure that it's somewhere you want to be, right? Make sure that there's a good fit, make sure that there's a connection between you uh, and, and the prospective employer. Really having those questions to see, is this someplace I can see myself, right? What kind of, what kind of vibe, what kind of connection uh, am I getting with the person that's, that's conducting uh, the interview? To me, those are questions that are uh, as important or more important than about uh, asking for asking for a range initially. Once you kind of get a sense that you know this could be a potential match, then by all means, that's a that's a conversation and a question that that is fair that is fair to ask. But as it relates to that, I would ask yourself: Do you see that this is a culture, and do you see that this is a place where I can grow and where I can develop? Because so many times you may think uh, a job is is really just about a, a salary or a number, but really it's about your career development. It's about your path. It's about does this person see value in me? Will I grow? How will I develop? Right. To me, those are the questions that you uh, should be filling out and asking yourself. Um, does this does this give me a place where I can not only grow, but see myself in five years from now? And, and that's something that we are really uh, big on is developing culture, developing a fit, and developing people uh, so they can grow within our organization. So with all of those things, uh, I, I believe you need to have those types of questions and conversations as a precursor to that because really those are the kinds of things that's gonna keep you at a job, it's gonna make you happy and fulfilled, and ultimately it's going to uh, grow your uh, career as a journalist. Now, uh, Mike is the person who really uh, gets this kind of question all the time. 
day in, day out. He's talking uh, numbers with uh, folks that are look, coming to come into our organization. And, and I would like to uh, have him give some insight on this as well. Thank you. It's, um, you, you can absolutely, I 100% agree that you can absolutely ask that question. I don't think it's taboo. And I think it, it, it shows that you have interest in the position. I think the answer you're going to get back whether it's from us or from any other organization is probably much more broad than you would like. I don't think anyone's gonna give you a very specific answer because there are so many factors that go into a particular salary. Anita, you brought up the, you know, the, the New York City law where you see the very clearly, you can see the salaries that are in there. But the reason you see them as a range and not a specific dollar amount is because those numbers can vary pretty distinctly depending on how much experience the person brings in or if they're coming from a competitor that you know has a certain salary level that we would have to match. So that's why you always see, if you guys have started to notice those on those job postings for everybody, you're never gonna see like a very tight little $5,000 range. You're gonna see a big, it's as reasonable as it can be in the first couple of weeks, it was companies were being disingenuous and putting zero to a million dollars. Like it was, it was not this company, but others. Um, it wasn't work. So that's not the point of the law, but I think what that, that shows, especially in New York city is that's what you're going to kind of get back because there's so many different factors. I can tell you all that for every single hire that we make, for example, in, in Alexander's region, upstate New York, anybody that we hire, you know, if we want to make an offer to Sarah, and Sarah's got three years worth of experience and she's coming from Erie, Pennsylvania. We're gonna look at Sarah and we're gonna look at how much experience she has coming into this company. We're gonna look at everything that she brings. And then we're gonna look at all of the MMJs that we have with a couple of years experience as Sarah does and make sure that we're paying people equitably and fairly across this organization. So we don't, Alexander couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. We would never be able to hire somebody if with two years experience in his newsroom making $50,000 when the, another person with two years experience is making $75,000. It doesn't work um, for this organization at all. So there's a lot of factors that go into those offers and those ranges. You just know that you know, for this particular company, we've, we've made big strides over these last couple of years to make sure that our salaries are really commiserate with the competitors that we serve in the market. You know, if we were all talking five or six years ago when we were Time Warner Cable and we had just a handful of stations, we were paying less in general than, than some of the other, you know, the companies that are out there. We've made big, big strides to make sure that we're competitive and we, you know, we pay like our competitors. But at the same time, I think if you ask that question, Benita, to any other company, you're going to get that same range answer. And it's, it is very difficult because if you, especially if you're in a, a, a setting like NABJ, where it, it's, you can say, I have two years worth of experience, you know, until that recruiter or that, that hiring manager really gets down into your resume and has those interviews and really talks about, did you count your internships as resume? If not, you certainly could because you did that, you know, so there's a lot more to it than just kind of a black and white, oh, this person has to use experience. So we're going to give you $65,000. Um, and I know that's like the world's longest non-answer, but it's important. I think you guys know kind of how we have to function every time we, every single hire. And every time, once you're in this organization, every time we try to renew someone's contract, we do that exact same exercise to make sure to hold ourselves accountable to make sure that we brought those folks in at the right number. Thank you. That was very informative. <laughs> I, 
I appreciate it. Okay. So Mike, um, if an interviewer tells you to stay in touch, what does that mean? And how often should you check in with them? So that's the biggest thing that my biggest takeaway from any convention I've ever been to is to really try to leverage those relationships that you make at the convention. Um, you know, for better and for worse, this is a very small industry. Right. And you, you know, once you're in it for a while, you tend to meet people and you tend to know people. I really like anybody. That's why I talk about my QR code. I love to stay in touch with everybody that I meet at, at those conventions. But when, when a recruiter says stay in touch, I think that you should take them up on it. Does that mean email them right away and say, oh, my God, it was so great to meet you. Let's talk next week. Probably not, especially in a situation like NABJ, where you're that recruiter is likely going to kind of keep on trucking through through other folks, but I would absolutely say it is 100% fair um, to reach out to that person the following week and say, hey, we talked at NABJ, make sure you add them on LinkedIn. You can send them a note on LinkedIn. For me, I really think um, you all, you, the line between like over communicating and under communicating is a tough one to navigate, especially when you don't know that person that well. But I think in general, most recruiters will appreciate that outreach, especially on external platforms like LinkedIn, where you can, like, I love, the reason I love LinkedIn so much is because I can, um, if Will reaches out to me um, on LinkedIn, I can immediately say, oh, I met you at NABJ. I can see that, see that he reached out to me and then immediately click on his profile and say, oh yeah, I talked to Will on Thursday last week. And then let me pull up his resume and look at my notes on there. So I think it's important that you leverage those um, relationships that you build as much as you possibly can. I don't think that means an email every three days until the, until you get stop getting responses. Um, I think you have to walk that fine line, but at the same time, this is a people business and you've got to be okay with reaching out and, and kind of putting yourself out there a little bit and say, Hey, Mike, I met you at NABJ. Or if it's not at NABJ, like if, if it's just a normal thing after I interview somebody, it's absolutely appropriate to follow up in the next couple of days. Oftentimes, I'm sure Alex gets these all the time. We'll get little, very quick little thank you emails the next day. Thank you so much for your time. I'll follow up in a week or whatever. And I think that's totally, totally appropriate. And frankly, at this point, it's fairly common and expected. So Alexander, what is the best way to check in about how an interview went? And how long should you wait until after the interview you know, is passed? Yeah, I would say, given off of a uh, prime past experience when you when you're there you're dealing with so many people at times that literally could leave with a stack of resumes this thick right and you've had many conversations with recruiters as well and people that you've come in contact with it's always good to, if you've had a meaningful conversation uh, shoot an email to say hey i appreciate your time uh, great conversation and just a quick, you know, reminder of maybe some of the things that you talked about, just a line, maybe two, just to jog the person's memory uh, to make sure that, um, that they remember. And in that way, I think it's a good way to, to at least make that initial uh, point of contact. And then from there, if you haven't heard back in, say, uh, two or three weeks, no harm in, again, following up uh, with an email or if the person gives you their phone, their uh, card and says, all right, the call, then take them up on it, right? Uh, don't, feel, don't feel bad about uh, doing that if the person has indicated, hey, you can get in contact with me by phone or if you can send an email. 
And one thing that's that's very important as well in this conversation is that sometimes uh, positions get filled uh, with other candidates, right? Sometimes um, the the process may take longer than uh, what you discuss with the recruiter. Don't feel bad about going back three months later, six months later, just to drop a line and say, hey, we had a great conversation, met you, how are things going? Just making sure that you keep those lines of communications open because I can't tell you how many how many times that maybe a particular position went somewhere else, but as much as a year later, a person that I had a conversation with in ABJ was reminded of or we kept in contact that that person was, uh, was contacted and filled for, for a position that came open a year later. So I would say, keep those lines of communication open. Uh, really feel feel free to, to follow up uh, best way that the person uh, indicates, because that's the question. Say, hey, is it okay if I follow up with you in two or three weeks? If so, what's the best way to get a hold of you, right? Ask the question up front. So that way it's established. You don't feel that you're overstepping a boundary by calling or sending an email two or three months later, really put that up forward to say, you know, I like to keep in touch with you, Alex. I like to keep in touch with you, Mike. Would it be a good time for me to follow up with you? And what's the best way of contact? And then that way you have it established and you can follow up with it. But by no means, everyone that is there has the expectation and the understanding that I'm going to be contacted. I'm having people who are interested in what my company represents and positions. So it's fair game for you to reach out to us, to reach out to them uh, in a respectful, timely manner to uh, follow up with positions that you have interest in because that's why we are there. We want uh, top talent. We want people who can grow with our organization. We want great cultural fits. So that's why we're all there. We want to hear from each other and make sure that you are, uh, that you are very confident and that you're very assertive with making sure that you have those conversations and that you follow up with people accordingly uh, that you have interest in or that you might want to be with their organization. Yeah, it's it's important to know that, you know, as this industry continues to change, uh, the companies that are really making the hires these days are enormous organizations. I mean, we have almost 110,000 employees at our company. So this is a very big operation. So I, I say that because it does take some time. Even if we are immediately like we think, yes, you're the right person for us, it's gonna take a little bit of time to get through the process. Not only the interview process, but then the hiring process itself and then the background. There, there's just a lot of kind of, there's a lot of time involved in this. And the one thing that I would say is after being in this industry for so long, um, you've got to be okay at some point too. You know, there's a lot of companies out there, the recruiters that will just, you won't hear anything, right? Like sometimes you, sometimes you're going to get no, a no. Sometimes you're going to get an automatic generated email that says, thank you. We've gone with someone else. I think the key is that there's going to be a, there's going to be no's, there's going to be no's and there's going to be silence, but there's going to be a yes. And I think that's the key part is to power through those no's. Um, and cause there's going to be a yes at the end of the rainbow. And I think that's ultimately what it comes down to, but you have to be okay with those no's and you have to be okay with the silence. And frankly, you have to be okay with the amount of time it take, it can take to get into an organization like ours. Um, it, it's just kind of part of the process. Um, 
So back to you, Mike, how do you show that you've done the research? So earlier you talked about people going on your LinkedIn and, and looking you up, yeah. but like, how does that not come? Like, how do you not turn into being a creepy person and you're just showcasing that you've done the research? Well, and you know, for me, it's, it, if I'm talking to someone, it's less of a, I don't necessarily one more. I don't, that's, I don't need them to know anything about me personally. I just would want them to know much as much as externally facing about our organization as a whole. I, you know, they don't need to know me at all. I just want them to know about what we're all about as an organization. And I think that's really important. So if you come, um, you know, I'll never forget last year, uh, I'm not kidding you. I had someone sit down with me and she's like, I'm so interested. I'm so interested in working for you guys. And the very, Alex and I were just talking about this. The very next breath was, so what does this company do again? And I'm, and she was very serious about it. So those are the kind of things I know it sounds so ridiculous to, you know, is not to do, but it happens all the time. So it's just one of those, when I say prepared, when we were talking about just, you know, knowing the organization, you know, we're very forward facing company. We're a, a company that has lots of government contracts. So we are wide open to anything you want to know about Spectrum News. You can go online and find all our stories. You can go and watch, you know, some of our product. You can do, you know, I think as long as you have a basic understanding of what we're all about, you know, Alexander talked earlier about culture. He said that you've said that word a number of times, Alexander, and I think it's so important for us. If you talk to our, our, our boss boss, Mike Bear is his name, uh, he will tell you that we hire for culture first. And what we mean by that is we want folks who are, we think would be good newsroom citizens, who are natural, inquisitive storytellers, and who, who we think can fit into the culture we're trying to establish in our newsroom. So if you come to an interview, even at a convention like NABJ, as long as you have a basic understanding of how we are different, let's say, than and no shade on Sinclair, but we're very different than Sinclair. We're very different than Greg. We're very different even than Comcast, which a lot of people compare us to. Um, you know, so just a general understanding, I think, will go a long, long way. Um, you know, not for nothing. We, there's a there's you know we have 2,300 or so employees um, in news. Um, so by and large, if you've been in this industry long enough, or you're just starting out, you may know someone that works for our company. So maybe pick up that, you know, send them an email and say, hey, like, what do you, do you like it here? What I like it here? What do you like about it? Anything that you can do to kind of fill up your knowledge banks on what we're all about and what we're trying to accomplish in our newsrooms, I think will be really, really well received at not only at our booth, but any other booth that you go and, and you talk with at the convention. I mean, it helps. You want to know, you can tell, if you want to tell me everything about me too, I'm, you know, I'm always happy to hear that. But in general, I just care about the company and not so much. Me. Got it. Um, <laughs> good stuff. Um, for those looking for entry-level positions who have just graduated with, you know, degrees in journalism, what job titles should they be looking for and what experience levels should they be looking for? And I'll open that up to either of you who want to answer Alexander or Mike. Um, do you want to go first? Go ahead, Mike. Um, I would say, so we're, we're, we're pretty fortunate at this organization that we have some positions, um, that are called news content associates in some markets that are, um, that are structured to be specifically for entry-level folks that may not exactly know what they want to do. Maybe they want to be an MMJ, maybe they want to be a producer. So the news content associate in some of our markets will, Give them the best of both worlds where you have a, you kind of have your hand in a bunch of different jobs to try to the, really the goal is to just figure out what you like so we can get you on that track. 
Um, but outside of that, uh, we have a number of markets that hired almost every position, including on air, directly out of school. Um, you know, are you going to walk into New York One or our station in LA or DC directly out of school? No, we'll, we'll definitely need more experience in those places. We have a lot of markets, though, that have that, um, you know, that have that bandwidth to take folks and train and train. And we're a very big uh, training organization. We, we, everybody who comes and works with us goes through extensive training before we, you know, before we put them out there. But Alex, when you say even in, in some of your markets, um, we, we do hire um, entry level um, kind of across the board. Yeah, we do have opportunities for uh, producers. Uh, we do have opportunities for um, content gatherers, whether it be in the field. And, and listen, this is really this is really an opportunity to take a look to see what positions are open before you go to uh, a specific booth, ideally, and, and get some information because you may see a position that you may think you are not qualified for, but having an opportunity to speak with uh, a recruiter, to speak with me, for example, whether it be an MMJ role or any number of positions, we can kind of talk through to say, okay, this may not be a good fit for you, but have you considered this one? We have this position open. Maybe this is something that uh, is more aligned with, uh, your, with your skill set. So I would say uh, in terms of entry level, uh, we, have, we have a number of possibilities, as Mike described, uh, to join our company. But at the same time, have an interest to say, this is what I want to do. This position looks interesting to me. Is this something that, uh, based on my skill set, that perhaps uh, could lead to an opportunity immediately? Or as important, down the road? I may not have the qualifications now, but what do I need to do to be considered for this position? And then, as we said earlier, keep in contact with that recruiter, keep in contact with Mike, keep in contact with me, because things change within six to eight months. Things definitely change in a year in terms of positions, in terms of your skill set. So what may have been a no uh, three to six months prior can now be a yes or could be an opportunity uh, that could open a door uh, for the position that you want to be in. So I would say be encouraged by that and really have a sense of talking through what uh, positions that you want and positions that are open to see if there's a possibly fit with uh, where you are and ultimately where you want to be. I would also say that this company in particular, Spectrum News, is not an organization that is married to the traditional old school, you must go here first and then you spend two years here and then you spend two years here. We really genuinely, and I know you've heard us say this you know, a bunch now, but we are value storytelling first and foremost. So if you're a great storyteller and you've spent one and a half years in Kalamazoo, Michigan, that doesn't necessarily mean we're not going to look at you for a role at any of our stations because you don't have, you know, X number of years experience. You know, if this was 10 years ago or 15 years ago, I feel like you, you had to kind of have a certain ladder that you climbed. You spent a couple of years in Bismarck and then you went here and then you went here. I don't necessarily think that's the case anymore. And I think the folks that rise to the top, um, for us, really, um, that storytelling really bears that out. So just kind of keep that in mind, especially as you're looking um, at positions specifically with us, as we are not as 
married to that traditional path as maybe some other companies are because storytelling is such a, a tenant and a pillar of what we do every day. Got it. Um, this other one is for the two of you as well. So what are some things that should be on your resume to get you to the interview? So let's say you're not going to the convention, you're just putting your resume into, you know, the black hole of, of applying <laughs> online. What, what should you have on your resume to make sure that it gets tracked and maybe gets you to an interview? Yeah, make sure that you're, first and foremost, make sure it's up to date, right? That it has uh, your latest job assignments uh, and it's, if you have added roles or responsibilities that you've taken on, make sure that's reflected in your resume so that uh, it's current and it really gives an indication and a snapshot uh, of the things that, that you do best. So uh, in addition to that, Make sure that what is looking, that what the employer is looking for, whether we are looking at an MMJ or we're talking about a producer role, make sure that those uh, qualifications and the things that you've done are indicated uh, in the resume so that those things are, are highlighted in a proper way. And another thing to do, have someone take a look at your resume, right? It, because everything looks great when you're doing it. Well, at least that's how I see things. You know, it's like, this is, this is great. But it's another thing when you take someone who has more of an objective eye to kind of say, okay, what about this? Because you're going to have a lot of people looking at your resume. So it's nothing to be, um, to be apprehensive about sharing your resume with someone for them to go through it critically and kind of give some feedback as to uh, what it looks like. So that way, when you are, uh, presenting, you're putting your best foot forward, and your resume really is a strong indication of, of what it is, that it's clean, there's no typos, there's no uh, syntax errors, there's no font changing halfway, I mean, little stuff like that, right, that you've seen it so many times, that you've kind of overlooked those types of things. So really, I would say with, with a resume, making sure that those things are on point, and really give a clear indication of selling your, your skill set, your qualifications um, in a way that's in a way that's strong, in a way that's clean and, and easily understood. Because I for one, just over the years, I don't sit down and read resumes for 10 minutes. I don't spend 10 minutes on a resume, right? It, it has to be it, I, I know what I'm looking for. I'm looking for experience. I'm looking for how does how does their past jobs relate to storytelling, relate to writing, relate to editing, right? And I'm looking for comparisons that can either, even if it's not a, the specific role, I want to say, okay, what kind of opportunities is this person writing? What, 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 are, what are they writing? What, was they, what were the responsibilities that they had, whether it's an MMJ or a producer? One of the biggest things I look for is writing, even anchoring, right? Anchors are great writers. So to me, one of the strongest skill sets that I look for is what type of experience has this person had uh, with writing, writing under deadline? And if that is one of the foundations or one of the cornerstones that they have, a lot of the things can be, uh, can be taught if you have that foundation of being a strong and being a, a great writer. So those are just some things to keep in mind as it relates uh, to the resume as a whole.
Uh, I would just add, if you don't mind, I would add, if you were looking, especially for an on-air role, any work that you've done, make it really accessible on that resume. Get that link on there so I can click on it. If you want to add any of the profiles that you have, add your LinkedIn, anything like that. Um, at, I think it's important that you give that anybody who's looking at it one-stop shopping that basically says everything that you want to present about yourself on there. The last question for me, at least, is what are three pieces of advice that you can give? And I'll, you know, Alexander, I'll let you go first, just for a successful interview. Like, how are you going to ace this interview and get that call back? Be yourself. Don't be what you think the person wants you to be. Be you. Number two, be prepared to sell you. Nobody can sell you like you. And if you're not buying into you, I'm not going to buy into you. Have confidence about who you are and what you do. And I would say number three, know the company or have some idea about the company uh, that you're looking to gain employment with. You go in with those uh, three, three items, you, you'll be good. And as important, you'll feel good doing the conversation and you'll feel good leading out of the conversation. So those are the things that I would say that, that are built on, on, on any successful uh, conversation and interview. Mike. Well, now I have nothing left to talk about. Those were my three as well. <laughs> Seriously, that's the big one is you cannot, you just can't come into an interview thinking that, oh, this person has done this, 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 and this. Let me try to talk to him or her like I think he wants to hear. That's the big thing because you're going to come across. We want to know who you are. We want to know what kind of storyteller you are. So any, if, if you can give me that sense of who you are in that five minutes, 10 minutes together at the convention or a longer in one-on-ones, I'm all about that. And I think that, that I, to me, that is, yeah, there, you asked for three things, Benita, but that's like the number one overarching thing that I, I think can really color the interview process one way or the other is just, just be you. Um, because you're, you're sitting there for a reason. You're interviewing with that person for a reason. So just, you know, just share with them why. That's great. Thank you guys. Um, so I'm going to open it up for questions. Um, feel free to just throw them out there or raise your hand, whatever you feel comfortable doing. Uh, Fonda, go for it. Hello. Um, my question is, um, I am fortunate to be an employee of the Spectrum Network in New York. So my question to you is, how important is it for referrals? When, when you get, you know, when we first want to say use our name, especially when you don't know that person, but you just know they're affiliated with the Spectrum. So how, how important is referrals? I'll start off with this one if I can, Mike. It's, it's very important because if there's a referral, the first thing I'm going to do, especially if I know the person, I'm going to ask them, hey, do you know such and such is applying for this position? Tell me about her. What was your experience like with her? What kind of person is she, right? That, that goes a, a, a long way in terms of, because for one, it, it, that does more than what any resume can, what any, because I, I don't care how great the interview is or how in thorough rounds are, you're never going to get a true assessment of what that person is. You're just not, right? Sometimes they may be a little better than what they are, Sometimes they may not come across as well as they really are. You, you don't really have a gauge. But I tell you what, somebody you work with every day, week in, week out, they see how you are after the 4th of July, 
right? This sees how you are coming in on Mondays or Fridays. That speaks volume. So I would say those referrals uh, are critical, especially if it's in-house like that, where we have the ability uh, to speak with people that, that we know, and we know the workplace and we know the culture. So I can't speak enough to uh, those types of connections and the brand that you build for yourself, because your brand will speak louder than anything that you say and anything that you put on paper. Thank you. Uh, Malcolm, nope. Malcolm, I see you have your hand up. Wanna go for it? Yeah, I do. Um, good evening. Uh, my name is Malcolm Johnson. I'm a producer here in New York at Eyewitness News. Um, quick question. This is kind of twofold. Uh, but the first part being if you are currently under contract with an organization, um, how like how long would you say as far as contract length? is too long to even start um, having conversations with other organizations. Not that I say, not that I'm saying that I am or anything. I'm just wondering. And also, and speaking about that, like I always wondered if I am like go to your booth and like I'm having a conversation with you, should I be worried that like you guys are going to go back to my employer and be like, hey, this guy was having a conversation. You know, like I always wondered, was that a thing that would happen? Should I be afraid of that? Mike, you want to take that one? Sure. So Malcolm, thank you for that question. And um, so I, especially in my previous life as an agent, I worked in contracts a lot. And now my primary responsibility at Spectrum News is I negotiate all the contracts for the organization. So I'm super familiar with that question. I get, we get asked that a lot, especially, especially from producers um, that are under contract um, and especially for on-air folks that may be kind of coming to, towards the end of their contract and want to make a change. So that there's... There's a couple of things to consider here. One, how if you're if you're under a two-year contract, when do you think you should start looking? When I was an agent, I used to put my my clients on the market about six months prior to the end of their contract. Given the fact that the the, the companies that are left standing these days are these big organizations, like we talked earlier, the hiring process can take a while. Do I think that most organizations will seriously consider you six months away from your end date? No, but I want you want to make sure that you get on the radar early because the process can take some time. You know, there, there's there's a lot of legalese that's involved. There's torturous interference. There's a bunch of different things that companies get very scared about um, when you get down to it. So what we do, if we have someone who's under contract and they tell us, all right, Mike, uh, my contract's up in November. I can start talking to you two months before or three months before. We feel comfortable to have those, you know, to have those conversations. And we'll go up to and including like an offer if we know that that person gives us permission to do that. But as an organization, we are never going to make an offer to somebody that's under con that is mid under contract. We are never going to ask someone to break their contract to come and work for us because we could, you know, that we don't want that to happen to us. We also don't want to get sued by another organization and we don't want to have to sue another organization for that exact thing. So contracts can be a little bit um, dicey and there's no real clear answer, Malcolm, on yes, you can start on this particular date. I just think you have to give yourself enough leeway knowing that that process is going to take you a while, no matter where you're going or what you want to do next. The process, you know, at your company right now, at our company, it's just going to take some time. So give yourself that time. But to answer your second part of the question, no company that I've ever heard of ever is um, 
would ever put an employee in a position where they're in trouble because they talk to another company at a booth. I think the, the entire purpose of these conventions is to really make sure that you get a sampling of what the other organizations are all about. Um, and I can't imagine, and frankly, if another company feel like it looks on that negatively, that if you go to a, a, a convention, I, I don't know that I would want to work at that company because at the end of the day, what we love, and we, we're going to have not only the 40 or 50 people that we're, you know, we're going on our behalf, we have hundreds of employees at, at NABJ over the course of the days there. We encourage, you know, the company encourages that. We want to make sure that people get a good sense because we feel like when you look at us and what we're all about from a culture perspective and what our newsrooms are like every day, we feel like we stand up really well. So we, we're happy that people go and get a sense of what the other companies may be like um, to work in. So we think that we stand up pretty well. And I would hope that other companies would feel the same way. I mean, I can't, I've never in my career heard of someone losing their job or even getting in trouble because they went to a convention. I, I don't know, Alex, have you ever heard that? No, even when I was in your place, Michael, I went to so many, I had so many conversations and, and I had recruiters where I worked with that was in the job that I was working. When you go to NABJ, it's, it's, it's understood. Yeah, It's understood. And listen, I don't care who you, who you, there's nothing wrong with a conversation, right? If you're having a conversation, that's, that's by all means encouraged, especially uh, as Mike described, for, uh, for, for the type of, of company we are in in our employees that that we have I, I would say that is something that you should feel uh comfortable about uh in terms of having having those conversations to get to get more information uh for your career we are down to our two minute mark so i just want to see if anyone else had one more question um before we got out of here if not ending two minutes early is also okay um so <laughs> anyone else um any Anything else? All right. Well, it doesn't look like it. I guess we'll be seeing you guys in Birmingham in August. Yes. We're looking forward yes. to it. Thank you all for coming out. A special thanks to our panelists. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and give the sidebar a great review. A reminder that the opinions discussed on the podcast belong solely to the individual and do not reflect the views of the New York Association of Black Journalists. For more information on NYABJ, please visit our website at www.nyabj.org. Music is by Holizna Raps.